All right, welcome back, everybody, to a September episode of the Three Way Miss podcast. Hard to believe that the calendar has turned to fall now, but uh, here we are, boys. How's everybody doing? Doing great. It's 43 degrees in Hanover this morning. So, yes, it is September. Yikes. That came in quick. That came in quick. But I'll tell you what, Scotty, September is a golf month, right? I like it. Two big events this month. We got the TKI up at Quichi. And we got the tri-states over in Manchester, Vermont as well. Same state, same weekend. What's happening? Vermont, golf mecca in September. Golf yeah, no mecca. <laughs> I'm not sure you can beat that at, at that location. And um, either location, really, that time of year in September, it's going to just be phenomenal. And it was, I mean, it was the same way last year when uh, with the TK. It was sort of quintessential New England with the leaves changing and the weather. Um, hopefully that you guys have good weather up there again for it. So it, it'll be awesome for sure. And speaking of last year's TK, we are joined by a very special guest who was my partner last year until his old man back gave out. But uh, somebody who's very instrumental in, in getting me involved in the game of golf. Um, so to the folks out there that you know, can't wait to see me leave. Uh, you, you might want to come after this guy with your pitchforks. But Mike David, the executive director of the Indiana Golf Office, is joining us for this episode of Three Way Mist. Uh, recent inductee into the Indiana Golf Hall of Fame as well. So, Mike, thanks for being here. Hey, happy to be here. Um, hopefully, I, uh, you know, I trained you well enough. There's enough positives that outweigh the negatives that you brought. So people aren't too disappointed with what they have. Well, We're still in the evaluation process. Yeah, yeah. the bar is pretty low, so. <laughs> to be determined. <laughs> but it's nice to have a Hall of Famer join us. Congratulations. What an honor. Thanks, guys. I appreciate that. Longevity award, I think, more than anything else. It certainly wasn't my golf game. <laughs> well, this is, uh, this is kind of an annual tradition for Mike and I to get together once a year since I've, believe it or not, nine years ago it'll be that, that I left and took this job out here. Um, and we've kind of been all over. We've been to Buffalo. We've been to Nashville. Um, I've been out to Indiana. He's been here. I guess this is the third time, third time here. Um, last year, the TK was our annual get together, which was awesome again until it sort of ended abruptly because somebody tried to fill a divot with sand. And um, we'll just we'll leave it at that. But uh, but it's been a fun visit. We I took Mike up to Lake Winnie on Wednesday. Um, nice. We played Mount Washington yesterday, which was awesome. Uh, unfortunately, we didn't see the mountain at all because it was so cloudy. Um, but you guys know what a special place that is for golfers here in this state, and and really did you get your round in before four o'clock? We did, <laughs> but we we finished before eleven, so we had no options for for a, a post round beverage there at, at either. So since oh, they they don't open until 11 o'clock, but I'm assuming you went directly from Lake Winnie to Mount Wash. You didn't backtrack. Did that you? is correct. After we played Winnie at about one o'clock Wednesday and then went up there and spent the night over in Bethlehem and then went over to Mount Wash yesterday morning. Oh, you stayed at Matt's, Matt's mom's house. That's nice. <laughs> you know, I, there was part of me that, that considered talking to Sam about whether or not he had an extra room, but I just, I don't think I wanted to be part of that circus. Did you go to Reckless Brewing? We did not because it was closed. Oh, very disappointed. It's one of my faves. We are the Airbnb we had was literally a five minute walk right down the road from there, and it they were closed for some reason. I mean, well, closed on a Wednesday. Yeah. So Rosa Flamingos, it was. It was correct. Yep. There you go. <laughs> 
option A or B. I was going to say, those are the only two <laughs> options. Well, we uh, we ate at the 99, the, the night of the, the mid-am match, the mid-am event. In Littleton. So, yeah, in Littleton, because that was all that was open. Golly. <laughs> I heard you had a nice little nap on the way to dinner, or was it after dinner? I did. You know, when you grind all day, 18 hours a day, Matt, it's just hard to stay awake sometimes. I, I understand those those third place net finishes don't just come out of thin air, right? Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> you know what? That was 80 bucks I didn't see coming, I can tell you that. <laughs> hey, you'll take it, won't you? I did. I got a nice Hawaiian shirt out of it. It's kind of funny that you're criticizing someone for a net win. Thank you. Here we go. Here we go. So I think Matt's last day in Indiana, he plays in one of our one-day events, and he wins the net division as a staff member. That's That was his parting shot to Indiana is, I'm going to take all the net prizes. And, and you're no wonder you got someone. rid of him. What, Scott? No wonder Mike got rid of you. <laughs> I mean, Mike, you're welcome back anytime at the, the, rate, the rate we're on here. So this is good. I mean, there are three plaques in my office for golf accomplishments. And yes, they are all net plaques. <laughs> I like this though. Here, here, here's a good story. We're going to give Nick McDonald a shout out. Years ago, actually, Scotty was in, the, we had two groups down at Portsmouth, call it four or five years ago. Nick, former New Hampshire State Am champ, obviously very accomplished player, comes down and we split the groups up. I can't remember which group he was in. He, actually, he was in Maddie's group. Scotty might've been in mine that day. Nick and Maddie won the net in the one day at Portsmouth, and Nick did not ever. even know how to react to going <laughs> up and getting Well, he's used to going up and getting the winning check, but it didn't yeah. know it was going to be in the net division. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's funny. Um, well, yeah, it's... Uh, it, All right, what's we go? the... We got it. I got it. I can't wait to talk about the Nebraska Q School story oh yeah unbelievable i mean that Matt is morose uh, i mean as two gentlemen who work in the, uh, the golf business and and run events talk to me about matt morose so it's it's funny that you bring this up because we were talking about it in the car and for those who don't know or haven't heard the story yet guy playing in a in a corn ferry pre-qualifier to get into Corn Ferry Q School out in Nebraska. Uh, the Nebraska PGA, the section, the PGA sections run those events. And long story short, this guy who's claimed to have, what, 36 holes in one or something like 36. that. 36, good memory. Just, just kind of a goofball, more or less gets caught dropping balls and lying about holding out shots. They, they basically catch him red-handed on, I believe, three different in three different circumstances, they caught him. Three different um, holes. He hit a ball into, you know, the bushes, we'll say. And three different times, he was the first guy to get to the area where the ball went in. All three times, oh, his ball was there and easily played. And and the best part was that after the event ends, and they go, two guys go in with machetes looking for the ball. Yeah. And sure enough, all three times, a tailor-made 12 with purple markings, all three balls were found. I mean, it's unbelievable. So there's actually, so there was three incidents, Scotty. You're spot on on that. Two of them were the lost balls, as you're talking about. The third one, the first incident of the three was when he holed out, right? He, he oh, I didn't like, know that. Yeah, he was, he was almost like out of bounds left under a tree. So the guys weren't paying attention to him. 
and he said he hit a skipper. He said he hit a skipper that ran through the rough over a mound and went into the hole. To a blind, to an elevated green. So no, none of the players can see the green. So you, nobody could have seen it gone in, go in. So the other two guys hit their ball. This dude and his caddy are already up there jumping around on the green, holding the ball in the air on a shot the other guys say is impossible to even get near the green. Mm -hmm. And he's like, I hold it out. I hold it out. And they're like, what the F are you talking about? Here? <laughs> well, and, and it's one thing to have the player being just a, a malicious cheater, but clearly the caddy's in on it. Oh, too. he's complicit too. Yeah. Equally. Totally. So it, a couple things. One TK on that part of it, I thought it was funny that, I mean, imagine put yourself in a group and that happens. Nobody sees the ball go in and the guy's hooting and hollering that he came up and like forcibly fist bumped one of the other guys in the group. And the guy was like, what are you doing? I, I don't e I don't even know if I believe you. Um, but Scott, back to your question. So so Mike and I were talking about this and rewind to what probably like the 2010 Indiana Open, something like that. It's a while ago. Yeah, we have two PGA guys playing with a with an amateur, a college kid and the, the two PGA professionals and they're they're walking and they get done with their round. And these are guys that we both knew and trusted. And they said, you know, we didn't want to say anything, but. He was the, the third in our group, the amateur. He was, he was riding, and he didn't make an effort to kind of hang back with the group. He was always driving up to his ball without even waiting for us. And it was really bad every time he did a bad shot. He'd drive way up to his ball, be doing stuff before we could get up there to find out what was going on. And then they said there was one specific instance. I don't know if it was on like 10. I don't remember. the goal. No, it wasn't 10. But there was one specific instance in the round where he hit a shot left of the green. There was a mound. They said they they all saw the ball kick left off the mound into the woods. Yeah, it was number five. Yeah, so the, the, the player drives up in his cart, um, and they assume he's just going to go start looking for it. Well, before they can even get up there, he's got a ball on the side of the mound, and he's chipping up to the green. Two other players kind of get up there, and they're like, "What? what is going on? What happened? And he's like, oh, I just you know found it sitting here on the mound. So... They tell us a story and we kind of think, you know, we ought to go out there. They're done with their round at this point. We ought to go out there and see if we can find the ball because the guys told us he's playing a ball with his college logo on it. So we know what kind of ball he was playing. <laughs> so Mike and I take a drive down there and it couldn't have been five minutes looking for it. Sure as, as shit, there's the ball sitting there with his logo on it. And so now we've got him dead to rights, right? He, we know he was dropping balls. So we, we're trying to figure out exactly. And then we, we heard again that he took kind of a weird, funky drop on a par three where it was yellow and then it turned to red down the right side of the green and where he crossed and where he dropped definitely wasn't the right place. So the next day, Mike gets to, he takes all the glory now. He, he drives out to, to talk to him before, before he tees off. Yeah, right? I caught him on the putting green. And yeah, before he teed off. So you, I mean, you tell the rest because well, you brought yeah, up both. We just confronted the fact that there were multiple occasions during the round where your fellow competitors are questioning, you know, how you could have found the ball, how you could have hit the shot. And kind of the, the normal story out of these is, well, I played a practice round and I hit, I hit shots there. I mean, that's what they all just conveniently hit yep. shots in the practice round, the same place they end up in them in the round. But 
So we really didn't have any evidence, but then on the 12th hole, which was a par three, there was an illegal drop there because he took relief from a car path that was actually in the penalty area. And that's what got him disqualified. But it's really funny. We've had, I don't know, in 32 years, four or five instances like this, and they're always good players. It makes no sense. I just don't understand why you put your reputation on the line like that. Yeah. So what what uh, recourse or what can you do with this back to our, our tailor-made 12 boy? Um, what can an association do? Can you ban him from participating? Or, I mean, what do you yeah, think? We've, is- we've, got, we've got two players currently banned. I don't want to make it sound like Indiana's got all the, all the players <laughs> that do this, but we currently have two amateurs who are who are banned from playing in our events. And one of one of them admitted basically to it, didn't they? One of them admitted to it, <clears throat> but wasn't was kind of more remorseful. They got caught yeah. and they did it. I mean, it was kind of a, well, you know, yeah, it, it's a it was a bad situation. I mean, it's it it's it is unbelievable that it happens. And I think kind of the the I haven't had it happen a lot. That's one situation. And actually, we had a situation at U.S. Open qualifier. Um, I think the year I left where we had a, a a person watching from their house, watched a player hit a ball that they knew wasn't the players. And it was the same thing. We went up and found the player's original ball um, and confronted, confronted the player about it. And they admitted to the fact that they, they played the wrong ball. But I, you know, the interesting part of this is I think the kicker is. Did they admit it or didn't they just pick up their clubs and just walk off the course? <laughs> I don't know if they actually admitted it. I think they just, Well, isn't that sort of one and the same? <laughs> yeah. It is one and the same. I agree. Silent admission there. Um, but the, the interesting, really interesting thing about the situation we had back at the Indiana Open was that, and I'm going to be careful here because people who know golf and follow golf professionally, would recognize this player's name is all I can say. I think. Well, that's no fun. <laughs> Cam Smith. I, I mean, look, I, I almost, you know, there were so many people kind of incredulous about this on Twitter and reading Twitter comments from people like, I can't believe people would do this. I can't believe, you know, any player would stoop this low. And I, I really wanted to respond. I told Mike this and say, you people wouldn't believe that there's a player on a professional, major professional tour right now who got busted for doing the same thing playing in a state open. But I was so terrified that somebody would, you know, look at my name on Twitter, figure out who I was, start to do their research and put two and two together. What, TK? Matt, Matt, it'd be the great day of your life if someone's trying to figure out who you are. <laughs> that means you would have peaked. Uh, that's funny. What can well, I say? Was it Patrick Reed? Unf- no, it wasn't. But that would not surprise anyone. I'll tell you what, though, to bring up, I mean, we all know we've played in golf leagues. You've played in golf events. You guys see it at a much more professional level, Mike and Matt. But and we've had guys, we had a guy in our league five years ago, no longer in the league, had to ask him to leave. People knew he was doing similar things. And, and you confront him and you say, what are you, what are you doing? We're playing in a Wednesday night men's league for fun. Yeah. What are you doing? And just you know, you're not welcome in this league if you're gonna do. Well, that. I'll give you a quick example. And I'm I'm a big believer in golf gods. But literally yesterday, Amy and I are playing nine holes at Lake Sunapee, and on we're on the eighth tee, which is the par three. And you look over, and somebody's in the, there's a small one day member guest, and the guy's playing 17. And I just happen to glance over. He had hit his drive on 17 into the middle of the 18th fairway. Okay. 
And I want I'm watching he literally grabs the ball in his hand and gives himself a preferred lie. <laughs> and I'm going my now I'm 200 and whatever yards away, but I good I said I'm just watching this and I said to myself, I can't wait to watch where this ball goes. And sure as shit, the golf gods had their way. And the guy airmailed the green and it went out of bounds. Good. <laughs> and I'm like, that's how you get exactly what you deserve. That but, is But, you know, to, to TK's point, it's a Thursday nothing member guest. And the guy's rolling it over in the wrong fairway. It's And it's unbelievable that, the the you know, for me and that experience, whatever this guy goes on to accomplish or not accomplish, I that's the perception I have for him is that he he cheated and I, I doubt it was his first rodeo and never is you'd like to think it'd be the last time because he got caught but you just it's one of those things where you always you're always going to wonder about somebody like that where if you did it you because obviously he did it and got away with it and then got caught but does he is he always going to view that getting caught as the outlier that he's going to go back to doing it it's it's Bizarre. I think it's a little more alarming too, coming from an, an adult as opposed to a junior player. Yeah. I mean, a junior player, okay, maybe they're getting pressure from parents or whoever, and you feel like, okay, they can rebound from that. And we've certainly had some that you catch as a junior, and then you pretty much trust them from yeah. then on. But for an adult, it's it's a little different. It's really crazy what what triggers that. Yep, for sure. Hey, so Mike, walk us through um, obviously a legendary career in Indiana. Give us uh, give us some of the highlights. What are some of the great moments, you know, over, over the course of the years that you've uh, been a part of in, on the Indiana golf scene? Well, probably number one was hiring Matt as assistant tournament director. All right, make that All right, shut it down. There. Shut really, it down. Really, really. Well, they wanted okay. to have a net player, so they. <laughs> quick, quick interjection because he loves this story. But I was I was an intern working with the the tournament director, and very fortunate that a job opened that you know. Jobs in golf administration, Mike will tell you, it's all about timing. And it, it was, I was fortunate that a position opened up. Um, and the tournament director, who's a great guy, still a friend of both of ours, um, you know, he went to Mike and said, I, I, think, I think Matt would really be a good fit for the job, a good fit with the association. And your response was... Well, I mean, when Matt was an intern, I didn't have a lot of involvement with him and and really, you know, didn't know him very well. So JJ came to me and said, you know, I think we ought to look at Matt. And I'm like, he has zero personality. Why would we hire him? I mean, that was You're a good that, judge of character. By that was, yeah, I should have stuck with that. I don't know why I strayed from that position. But uh, um, and now he has a podcast. Yeah. Sarah thinks the same. No biggie. <laughs> you know, so back to your your question, TK. I think I think probably it's it's twofold. In Indiana, we've got a cooperative effort from multiple associations. I mean, we're the headquarters for the Indiana Golf Association, Indiana PGA, Indiana Golf Foundation, First Tee Indiana, and now the Superintendents Association. So I think it's it's building that cooperative relationship with most of the major golf entities in the state. And I, I think I think that allows us to accomplish a lot of things that we wouldn't be able to if, if we were all separated. And I think the other thing is simply building the, the team culture we have as a staff. I mean, we're, we've got a lot of friends who no longer work there, but I'm still friends with. I, I think we've got a cohesive group. And um, I think, you know, everybody's kind of passionate about accomplishing the, th the same things for golfers in Indiana. So 
definitely been a team effort over 32 years, but I, I think those two things are probably head and shoulders above anything else. So is the, uh, is the corn fairy event in that, is that Indiana, right? And that so we now have the, for another year, uh, this year, which I think it's going on this weekend, yeah. and then one more year, uh, the championships at Victoria National in, in Evansville. Um, that looks brutal, by the way. It's a really, really hard golf course. And it's actually more playable now than when it opened about 15 years ago. They've cleared really? a lot of stuff out, but it's it's a phenomenal, it, it's a fun golf course, but it's beautiful. Um so I, I that we've got that championship now. Before it was the championship, why we it was just a, a regular event, and I don't know where it's going to go after next year. I know they had some conversations with French Lick, but um, my guess is more than likely it'll move out of state if if French Lick doesn't take it. I mean, it's you know I can speak to the even from the time I started out there until the time I left, just the amount of stuff really that the the golf office got into um you know whether it was just adding more tournaments to the schedule but when i was there so we were we were doing a monday qualifier for a corn ferry event um we started doing that we were running the big 10 men's and women's um conference championship which was a a, a huge lift because we had the we were down in french lake and had the men on one golf course and the and the uh the gals on the other golf course and so there was a lot going on there and then you know, from my perspective to come out here, but to, you know, still pay attention to everything that's going on out at Indiana and, and the involvement that Mike's had with the, the first tee out there and growing those programs and taking what was really a segmented organization in, in different pockets of the state and, and making everything more cohesive. Um, you know, it was crazy to me to see how much he was involved after I left with first tee stuff we'd talk you know we text probably every week really on average but you know he's going to fundraising meetings and so all the different hats that he has to wear as a, a tournament official and a fundraiser and a ceo um i don't know how he does it sometimes but you, you talk to anybody from indiana and, and there's nobody better at it that's for sure Glowing remarks very cool to hear so i think we want to we do want to get into um, was there a tournament last week we can PK, was there, I was out. I was sort of out. Wasn't there a tournament that somebody won last week? Somebody won. Didn't someone like Rory win a tournament? Oh, yeah. I mean, ho hum. Just another tour championship. <laughs> here's the here's the question, Scotty. This could be two big weekends in a row for Matty, our boy Maddie McElroy here, right? So, <laughs> last was last week's Rory win or Saturday night's big Notre Dame game. What's a bigger moment for the sports fan, Mr. Schmidt? Well, and what, and I, I'd also, I, he's probably going to do a doubleheader on Saturday. What time's the shotgun start at the live event you're going to, Matt? <laughs> have, you guys, um, have you been around him for a Notre Dame game? There's no comparison that he would much prefer Notre Dame to win than Rory to win. It's not even yeah. Which is amazing, by the way. It's not even close. I'm concerned, actually, for people around him. <laughs> Well, what also is not going to be close is the score of the game, but that's a whole other issue. Oh, I think we should I, have I'm not, I'm, I, Look, I'm not going to argue with you. They should get handled pretty easily. But, um, but yeah, it was it was great to see Rory win. I, I mean, I'll be honest. I, I was kind of a little more shocked that that Scheffler played the way he did. Totally he looked, agree. He looked tired to me and worn out. And honestly, 
there was almost the body language of, I, I don't even want to win. I'm just going to let Rory kind of win it here. I mean, when he, as bad as he played Sunday and he had the opportunity to put pressure on him on 18, he just hits a god-awful fanned long iron in the, that bunker. And that was, he felt like that was sort of it. So as happy as I was for Rory, my takeaway watching it was, man, Scotty played lousy on the last day. Hard to argue with that. Hard to, I will say I've hit a lot of long fanned four irons into bunkers. So I, I <laughs> yeah, we've we've all been there. <laughs> you haven't had many game. six shot leads though, TK. No, a lot of six shot deficits. That's for sure. <laughs> I agree though, Maddie. It was coming down the stretch. He just looked spent. Um, you know, I, I will say this: an amazing moment right after the win. Talk about being raised right and just having a good family. When Scotty's family, mom, dad, may have been, I think it's his fiance, if I'm wrong, uh, all giving Rory a hug and congratulations in that moment. That's just solid people. Yeah, yeah, it's good stuff. And, you know, for all that Rory's burden this year and all he had to carry the tour and all that stuff, I mean, it it certainly seemed fitting, did it not? Yeah, I mean, I think it there was there was some some karma there, I think, to to sort of have him with all of the opportunities he ha he's had and all the highlights he's had, really, and and what, again, just because it doesn't have a major championship, we feel like it's a letdown, but he had a phenomenal season. I mean, some of the stats people put up about his his adjusted scoring average and all this stuff, and, you know, the only player that's been better in the last 30 years is Tiger. Um, it, it, was, it was pretty special to see him get the win and kind of put a, put a bow on what has been a, just an absolute – in some ways, nightmare of a golf season with everything that's that's gone on and continues to go on. And I think we, we've we got to get into that too um, and talk about, you know, the tour being reactive to this rather than proactive, but with all these changes that they're, they've proposed and they're going to make, um, you know, my question to you guys is, did they, did they ultimately get it right or is Liv just going to continue to be a problem here going forward wow it's it's hard to know if they got it right you know because i think it's there's too much still to be determined um i gotta say i'm not thrilled with the with the you know reactionary way that they've handled this situation um i'm not sure i necessarily like where they're look i think the best thing about the pj tour to me is the meritocracy aspect that you got to earn it, right? And to me, that's really hugely important. Um, you know, watching the Corn Ferry Finals is is a great event. Why? Because people are earning their way to to get their cards, and and you know, having cuts on every event to me is hugely important. It's part of what the brand is. It's part of what the value uh, is, <clears throat> and it just makes it a real competition. And so. I worry that these no cut of there's going to be too many no cut events. That's probably my biggest concern. Yeah, absolutely valid concern. I think, Maddie, to kind of get back to how you framed it, I think we don't know yet if they got it right. I think that surely if you talk to folks, the the live the impact of live happened far quicker than they thought it was going to happen in terms of actually getting to the ground. So they've known about it obviously for years. They knew something was going to happen, but the impact it had to their players happened far quicker. 
So they obviously had to be reactionary, which is not how you want to lead. Um, I think one factor that's going to be really interesting to see is, you know, a year from now or, or longer, whatever time period you want to put on it, are all the live players, if they don't have to Scotty's point, to grind to make cuts and, and the meritocracy of it all, grind to win, grind to place and get money, are they going to be – there's going to be some of them, but are the bulk of them going to be – Is there are their games going to suffer? Are they going to suffer dramatically, you know, in terms of going forward? Like, you've got to be on your game to earn on the PGA Tour. You don't really have to be on your game to earn on live. Right. Where does that play out? Well, it's hard not question. to think in other sports where that the guy signs that eight-year big money guaranteed contract, and a lot of times they don't they don't play as well after signing the contract as they did before signing the contract. And it's hard not to think on some level that's gonna happen. Yeah, it's it, it's just it's such I think the dynamic of of live, even though they're adding is still such an unknown is, are we going to see compelling golf being played? Because I think for, for us, I mean, we've talked about the fact that the first event, I, you know, I watched some of it, but then I turned it off because it was, it was like watching a minor league sporting event. Well, now you're starting to get bigger names, but I, I don't know, maybe it's the way I'm conditioned and maybe this will change if the competition starts to get better at live, but I'm conditioned to, to Scott's point to, to watch a PGA Tour event and watch on Friday afternoon to see if <clears throat> guys that are around the number can make the cut. <clears throat> and Liv doesn't offer that. And um, I think you're right, TK, that the bags of money that these guys are getting, what's the incentive? I mean, all, all they talk about is how they can have more balance in their lives. Well, if you know you, you can practice – three times a week now and show up to the live event. And no matter what you shoot, you're going to pocket a couple hundred thousand dollars. You've, you've pretty much lost all motivation to, to get better. And these guys apparently don't care about the repercussions necessarily when it comes to the majors down the road. Agreed. Mike, your so, thoughts? You know, I, I was in a meeting recently and someone was comparing the, like the globe trotters to, to live, which is, is, kind of an accurate comparison, you know? I mean, I, I don't know, you, you're giving up rankings, you're giving up, Matt said, a chance for a major, you're giving up a chance for Hall of Fame. I, um, I, I don't think the prior system was broken, so it's, it's, uh, it's a little concerning when things are disrupted so much, but hopefully it all, you know, works out and, and people kind of fall into their, their areas and people are happy moving forward. But I, I just, I don't, I can't get excited about it. Do you think Cam Smith would have gone to live if he thought he couldn't play in the majors? Like, I, I only assume he's going to be able to play in the majors next year. I, I don't, I don't know that, but I'm only assuming that. So under that assumption, do you think he would have gone knowing that he couldn't play in them? I think there's at least one and maybe more majors that he probably won't be playing in. So you think the Masters? No, I mean, I, I think as of right now, you have to be a PGA member to play in the PGA Championship. And if you're not on the tour, uh, you're not a you're no longer a PGA member. So I, I, I think, you know, that's Maybe you gonna, can take his PAT. <laughs> that's going to weigh into um, some so international players 
can play in the PGA Championship, can't they? Yeah, but they are also members of their respective tours, and the PGA gives them an in for that. Oh, I didn't know that. So yeah, that's we, interesting. We Obviously, we're all we're all waiting for the hammer, right? That's 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 point one. Right? That's exactly. Fred Rid Ridley's nickname on this show is Got the it. hammer. There you go. See, he, he knows, Benny, because this is traveling. Okay. <laughs> So the PGA, that's interesting because obviously all of us would have thought, you know, past Open Champ, probably, I, who knows if he's playing in that, you'd think, right? And then the other three with the U.S. Open and the PGA, it'll be very interesting. Scotty, you ask a great question because that's what it's all about, right? We all talk about the events we get jazzed up for because of the fields and the pressure and the prestige and the legends it builds for you. If you can't play in those, I don't get it. These guys grew up their entire lives waiting for those moments. So I only assume he thinks he can. Well, Don't right. And, and I was going to say time will tell, obviously, with all this, because there's a lot that still has to shake out. But my first thought when you asked that question, Scott, is he's got Norman in his ear saying, don't worry about it. We'll, we'll protect you. We'll help litigate this. You will be able to play in the majors. They're not going to be able to keep you out because – you know, that's kind of what some of the text between um, Norman and Sergio, right? That he was telling him exactly what he wanted to hear. And it, he strikes me as the kind of guy that is going to say to Cam, you'll be fine. We'll sue Augusta if they, if they don't invite you or the PGA. And they're not going to be able to keep you out. We have attorneys who have told us that, which I, I don't know enough about the law to know if that's true or not. But it sure feels like Norman would do that just just to sign him as a big name plus to put the pressure on him because he's an Aussie to to do it um so you don't he may think he might be able to but he also might be getting bad advice or incomplete information well as the live field gets stronger I guess I'll ask you guys do you want them to be able to play in the majors because those are it's a significant amount of talent now that is potentially ineligible for the yeah. majors i don't on principle but your question is great right because we i just said you want the strongest field in majors and that's why you watch those events um but i don't based on principle because i don't think you can have your cake and eat it too right i'm not sure if you're not competing against one another <clears throat> excuse me how you know if they're the strongest field i mean i, I think it's going to be hard to judge those live players moving forward because they're not competing against the, the best in the world. So how do you determine if they should play in a major? Right. But a bunch of them have five-year exemptions right well, now. Well, right. Yeah. Right. But moving forward, I, I think that that comparison's harder to make. Well, and Scott, to your point, I mean, isn't this the, the problem with live is it's if, if, and we talked about this, if this was just some private equity company that had, you know, decided that they wanted to get into golf and there wasn't the Saudi part of it, I, I feel like we wouldn't all feel so gross about this, but it's, it's the combination of all those things makes, it makes it really uncomfortable. And, and even, you know, people were praising Harold Varner for his, his statement on why he left that basically, right. It, 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 this is generational wealth for my family. And but you know what? You make these decisions and, and the decisions you make have consequences. And you feel like to this point, other than some of these guys being, you know, kicked off the tour, that there haven't been 
repercussions for what they've done and and sort of abandoning the organization and the PGA Tour that helped get them to where they are. So it's tough because, you know, somebody like Varner is not a bad guy. Everybody likes him, really. And you can't blame him for making the decision that that he made. But at the same time, I, I'm kind of with you, TK, where I do, I feel like they there needs to be um, some sort of punishment isn't the right word, but but they did something and, and there should be repercussions for it. No, Con, you used the right word before, consequences. And, you know, in Harold Varner, people, you know, surely nobody's unique opinion because everybody's on the same page. Incredible statement because he was honest. Scotty said candor. He, and he didn't say, I'm looking to, he just said, this is what I'm doing. I'm building for the generations of the Varner family. He didn't anywhere in his statement say, you know, he said, I'm, I'm going to miss playing on the PGA Tour, but he didn't say, I hope to play in majors next year. I think he knew, he knows what's potentially at stake. Yeah. You know, I think that's all we wanted. If I think a lot of the animosity and, and anger for a lot of us as, tra you know, traditional golf fans, right? Let's age us here. Um, these guys just weren't honest. You said Norman, because Norman's just spitting information into them early on. And they just are like, why'd you go? I went for the money. That's fine. It's okay. But, you know, so that the. I don't like the intentions of the live tour. So that's part one. I don't like the fact that their goal is to be, um, to, to, to be predators really within that, with the framework of the golf tours. They just soon the PGA tour go away and they're trying to do everything they can. So I don't like their intentions, but ultimately I, and it's not really just the Saudi thing. I don't really get caught up in the Saudi thing quite as much. What I don't like is that it's not a real business model, that it's not a legitimate competitor. It's not on a level playing field. And these monies they're being paid is absurd to me. Yeah. And so, you know, I, 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 I haven't seen the total. I'd love to have somebody show me the total of what they've paid out or what they've guaranteed to pay out. Mm -hmm. I mean, I don't even know how many millions that is. I mean, are we at a billion yet? Probably. Probably close. Oh, right. Brilliant. And so for me, that's that's what I don't like. If it was a legitimate entity that was on a level playing field and these guys were leaving the tour because um, of all other things. But now they're being paid so much money that you can't even justify the amount of money they're being paid relative to the return on investment. Yeah. To me, that's the what really bothers me is that it's an entity trying to hurt the tour and they're paying out money that nobody can justify from a business standpoint. Well, it's, it's, it's so well put Scott. And it's, it's like they exist to own the PGA tour, right? They, they troll the PGA tour on Twitter. They, they troll when they pick up new guys and, you know, now that, what is it? They've got 12 of the last 24 major winners are playing this week. Um, you know, the point you made, it's like they exist to do harm to the PGA Tour rather than the message being, we think that there's space and professional golf for another tour and that players should have more options as to where they want to play. If that was sort of the messaging and, you know, even at some point saying we want to work collaboratively with the PGA Tour, that would be different. But, um, you know, the, the, the idea that this is all just to kind of own, quote unquote, own the PGA Tour and, and throw this back in their face. It's just it's just off putting. 
Oh, you know, I mean, absolutely. You're absolutely right. I mean, it's just, I think Scotty's right. There's so many layers of it that sometimes you, you, the Saudi money behind it, you forget about because we're lost in the nuances of it all going back and forth. And, and, and great question, whoever led with it. How many more waves of good to great players will there be that go? Right. Well, the tour dodged a bullet with Hideki staying, um, but you know everything you read on social media was how much he offered and that he's turned it down for now because they can throw another hundred million at him or two hundred million or whatever it's going to take to get him because it's it is it does feel like it's snowballing a little bit right now. I agree. Well, I mean, I'll give you a little Cam Cam Smith reference, and we've kind of talked about it on the last show. It might have been two shows ago. You know, Cam Smith is, he's a good dude living in the Jacks area. And so obviously we know some folks who know him pretty well. He, he does not love like, he's, he's incredible at golf. He doesn't love the grind of golf, right? And people down there that, that live and, and kind of work around him and, and play with him have known that for years. Mm-hmm. Like he's incredible but he doesn't love the weekly. He would rather be literally living back in Australia surfing. That's been said for a while. So even though he's number two in the world, that one is not shocking to any of them down there. But there have been other folks that have been shocking, you know? Well, I was interesting that I I was disappointed to see our – Toby's best friend Joaquin leave, right? I know. Raymond – does Raymond even know we have a podcast? Will he ever listen to an episode? Well, he won't listen. He might know. But anyway, with that in mind, I actually uh, happened to talk to Olin this week um, and because he knows Joaquin and Olin's Chilean. And anyway, there's a connection there. Um, And he said that he was really, he really didn't necessarily want to go, right? Joaquin doesn't necessarily want to play on the live tour, but he felt like all his buddies are going there, you know, Um, and, and, to add to another reason, not that you need another reason to hate Sergio, but Sergio was in Joaquin's ear constantly saying, you got to go, you got to go, you got to go. And so Sergio was a mentor. Sounds like Mito Pereira is going to go. Um, but he felt like his Chilean brothers, quote unquote, or his his friends were all going to live. And he, he felt like he was going to be left alone, so to speak, on the tour. And so interesting I don't think it was for money. I think it was more for his his friends, his his brothers, if you will. Um, and so I thought that was an interesting take, but certainly disappointing. Well, isn't that troubling if you're making a decision like that for other people and not for yourself? Of course. Totally. It's also, there's a little hilarity in there in that, you know, Norman, right? Lies, full of lies. Sergio is now his choir boy underneath him, right? Just pushing Norman lies, you know he's in he's in Norman's pocket. That's that's who you want to follow, right? Anyway, I'll be curious to see what kind of turnout they get at Boston this weekend, and curious to see, you know, what sort of the messaging is. And but I don't know. Do you guys know anyone who's going? Out of curiosity, I do not. I know I know two folks who are going, so it'll be interesting to see um, what they're taking. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's I, I. One would only hope it's not quite the circus that it was in at, at Trump's place. What last month or whenever it was, because that was just a 
fiasco. But I, I understand the morbid curiosity of going down there and watching it. And, and you know, for better or for worse, there are more and, and bigger names than there have been at some of these events. So um, it'll be interesting to see if they can try to continue the capture, especially now with, I think most of us feel like the golf season is over. You know, the calendar has turned, the FedEx Cup is done. Um, you know, football a lot of season starting, right? And football so season, yep. Um, you know, I think that was one of the reasons the tour moved the schedule, right? Because they didn't want absolutely the reason they competing the with football. And now Liv is kind of doing the same thing on the first big weekend of uh, certainly college football of the year. I just don't think as many people are paying attention and because it's still kind of a, a minor league tour and casual golf fans might not even know what's going on. Um, 100%. You're 100% accurate. Hey, I want to give you a, a funny uh, a funny story about TPC Southwind, where uh, Zalatoris obviously won. Zalatoris won his um, event, obviously prior to his back injury, which is a bummer for the President's Cup. But So Zalatoris, obviously they go to the playoff and they loop around and they end up on the 11th hole right, where he hit his tee ball and it bounced and it stayed on the kind of the bulkhead brick wall there. Yeah. Right, right next to the water. So after that, after that event, after, after Zalatoris wins, everybody flocking to TPC Southwind is trying to hit the same shot <laughs> down on the bulkhead. They had Are to they close, all going in the water? They had to close the hole. Oh, the come bulk, on. The bulkhead started to break down and they had come to close the hole at the golf course. Right. There you go. Hey, Z didn't hit it for a reason, boys. Get off the bulkhead. <laughs> That's funny. I I mean, I thought it was interesting that Zalatoris actually said he would have tried the shot without his caddy talking him out of it, that he was literally going to try the shot. And lose the tournament. Yeah. And lose the tournament. No yeah. doubt. There you go. Well, well interesting times um, in the golf world for sure. Um we do want to kind of wrap this one up. It's going to be a short episode, but we can't let Mike get out of here. Like all of our guests, he is going to be forced to answer our quick. We got to see, yeah, the Hall of Famer's got to do a quick nine. Absolutely. I'm going to, I'm going to let Scotty ask you, Mike, no right or wrong answers, which you may get um, chastised for some of your answers, but that doesn't mean that they're wrong. But um, first yeah. thing that comes to mind. <laughs> Listen, don't let Heckling get in the ray of being right or wrong. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> used to that that's okay all right all right thank you mr no personality mike you ready <laughs> i'm ready walk or ride oh man oh ouch um ride for pace mulligan on the first tee yes like it. hey he gave me one on the second tee at winnie i so, got to use mine on the well, second any tee. net champion would want one on the second so when we play we play indiana golf office rules which you hit two off the first tee you can't do more than a two putt on the first hole, and everything is a lateral. Wow. Maybe Mike Morose is going to come play in your events. It's a fun <laughs> way to play. It's that soft handshake to start around we always talk about, Scotty. Oh, boy. Oh, I don't like soft handshakes. I like firm <laughs> handshakes. No one wants a wet fish. Stroke play or match play? Uh, stroke play. Scotland or Ireland? You know, I've been to Ireland four times scotland once i really i love ireland i love the people there i love the food love the golf i'm gonna say ireland jack or tiger jack it's always a generational answer i, yeah, I, I love it i'm a jack yeah, guy no too but these young kids yeah these young kids just don't you understand young bucks you young bucks 
your favorite course you have played and the course you most want to play that you haven't? Well, Augusta National would be the one I'd want to play that I haven't. Um, favorite course that I have played, that is, that is really hard because, um, I mean, you know, Pine Valley's great, uh, Waterville is great, Valley Bunyan's great, um, gosh, I don't, I don't know a favorite, there's so many good ones out there, I have a really hard time trying to come up with, like, which one's better than others, because they all have just kind of, whether it's a traditional course, whether it's a classic course, they've just all got kind of different, um, different things that make them special. But uh, I, I will say Pine Valley is a pretty pretty cool spot. It, it's a fun place to go. Okay, I'm going to throw a wrinkle in there. What's your favorite <laughs> Indiana golf course? South Bend Country Club, <laughs> which is also the spot of a, a, a map blunder as well. But, you know. Maddie, no, expand, expand. Answer. We got time. Go ahead. Okay, well, so um, we have our senior open there. It's just really- By the way, can I quickly interject? I wish this is the one time I wish we had video working <laughs> so that everyone can see Matt's suffering as you're telling the story, but go yeah. ahead. Because he knows this story all too well. Um, <laughs> so the, the 10th hole there is a really difficult, like 210 yard par three. So, you know, with a hole that difficult and being the 10th hole, the last thing you want to do is, you know, have a bad hole location. So. I'm driving by the hole sometime during the day, and uh, one of the players stops me, and he's like, this, this whole location on 10 is just ridiculous. So I watch a couple groups, and I get mad on the radio, and, and it's like, um, hey, or he might have even radioed me by then. He knew it was bad, and he said, whole location on 10 isn't very good. I'm like, yeah, you know, there are, there are some hard greens out here, but hey, as long as you putted it, then, you know, it, it is what it is. It happens dead silence on the other end of the radio. At that point, I knew, yeah, he didn't putt it. He just kind of winged it and hoped for the best, and it did not turn out well. There was a, what, a 64 that day or something? Yeah, somebody's did shoot 64, so yeah. I, I always have that to hang my hat on. I did yeah, go Well, out, he, he was going to shoot 62, but he doubled 10. Exactly, exactly. he five-putted. I, I went out to look at it, and <laughs> when I drove down the green, I was I, I was literally like, did I was I blacked out momentarily when I actually put the... <laughs> the can down and then dotted that spot. And the part Mike didn't tell you was I actually had another bad one on the 18th green in the same round. It wasn't as bad, but I went up to the, the head golf professional. I said, is that not a great hole location on 18? And he looked at the, the sheet and he said, oh yeah, if I had known you were going to put it there, I would have told you not to. Like, well, that's, that's great. That's helpful now. So South Bend right. Country Club is my favorite if the hole location on 10 is playable. <laughs> And 18. And 18. Um, you know, two out of 18, not bad. Yeah. Not yeah. Favorite foursome you play with and your dream foursome? Uh, so favorite foursome I play with, I kind of, uh, more frequently. So I, I love playing with some of my former employees. Like uh, a good foursome will be me, uh, Matt, um, JJ, who we've talked about, and former junior director Ryan Lambert. That's a, that's a fun, fun foursome. Um, I've kind of got a standing Saturday morning group with actually two guys that I've known since seventh grade, and then the fourth kind of fluctuates. So uh, that's a we have a good time every time we play. So that's a good group. I, I the dream foursome uh, would probably be my dad, my brother, and my son. I think it's hard to beat a, a family group like that for the dream foursome. That's awesome. The golf day or golf event you most look forward to every year? Oh wow. Um, 
You know, honestly, people don't believe this. I don't watch a lot of golf on, on TV. I, I watch the Masters and I watch the British Open. Those are my two favorites because um, I think British Open golf is just like true golf. And I love going, as I said, to Ireland and, and playing. I, it, it, it's just so different and, and, and unique. Um, so I would say a golf event to watch would probably be the Masters uh, more, than, more than the British Open. Um, and then from a, from a playing standpoint, you know, we have a couple pro-ams that I play with a good friend of mine who's actually my tournament director that I've, I've, I went to college at Ball State with, and he and I have a couple pro-ams we play in, and those are my, my favorite events to play in each year, I think. Nice. All we right. never cash, but uh, we have fun playing. And most importantly, what is your post-round go-to beverage? Uh, okay, so you guys don't have this here, but I'm into it in Indiana. Yingling Flights. They're like a Mick Ultra. By far, my favorite drink right now. Yingling what? What's the? Flight. F-L-I-G-H-T. So it's perfect oh. for golf. Um, uh, that's not really where the name came from, I don't think. But uh, but yeah, it's it's a, a Mick Ultra equivalent. Okay, very cool. You did say post-round, right? Not during the round two? It could be any time, really, Mike. There's no, no yeah, judgment here. I just like, give, give us give, I want to give preface, us, you know. It, it give us the latter, pre-round, during round, post-round. Yeah, yeah, okay, good. That, that is definitely flights. Perfect. Those were easy. Yes. Very easy. There's no there's no right or wrong answer. And I'm just thrilled we got to throw in the story about bad hole locations. That's that's just special. Huh. Well, I Did think they that still I'll... let you do that for the New Hampshire Am? <clears throat> yeah. Um, okay, I think that's going to be it for this. Episode. Well, we got we got one last component of today. We got to make four picks here, right? There's four people on this show making picks. Ohio State is giving 17 tomorrow night <clears throat> in Columbus. Go around the horn here. All right, we'll let Schmitty go last. Scotty, go ahead. Ohio State's giving 17 to the Fighting so Irish. So I'll answer it this way because I did work for uh, the Michigan University of Michigan Athletic Department. And one of the first days I was working for the University of Michigan Athletic Department, I saw a bumper sticker. And it was just one word. And it took me a while to read it because it was like 20 letters. And it said, oh, how I hate Ohio State. <laughs> and I've never forgotten that bumper sticker. And as a Michigan guy, there's no way I'm going to sit here and say Ohio State. So I may be wrong, but Maddie McElroy and the Fighting Irish are going to come through. They're going to cover. I tell I great great teams cover. Okay. All right, who's next, Mike? I'll be next. So <laughs> my my um, dislike for Ohio State goes back to college days because we played in some tournaments with them. So it's it, um, I, I, but seriously, looking at that team I, I've got to go with Ohio State I hate to do that but um, I'll be cheering hard for Notre Dame by the way have you guys ever watched the Notre Dame game with Matt the, the, the one time in my life I was most afraid is the <laughs> Alabama Notre Dame national championship game that was over about 45 seconds after it started and my son and I were stuck in Matt's house we finally left at halftime and we got in the driveway and I looked at my son who I think was probably in college at the time and I said, we're lucky that we got out of there alive. It was, it was ugly. 
Very. The things does he throw things or? Is I'm that, glad is I it? no. There's just there's just a lot of it's just really intense. There's a lot of standing and pacing and, and yelling and pointing. So at where does Sarah and the kids go for Saturday night while you're doing your thing? They're used to it by now. Really. Mm-hmm. They have a safe room here at their house, and they'll be they'll be in the safe room during that game. Well, that's what Sarah's I'm just glad like, I'm flying back tonight, so I'm out of state. Sarah's like, guys, uh, Daddy's going to have some tantrums tonight. Okay, we just got to let him go. <laughs> you know, tantrums are a pretty good word to use, admittedly. <clears throat> All right, we'll let Maddie go last. I am going to – I actually I, – I love the Irish in general, but I'm, I'm going the Buckeyes. I'm laying the points. I'm going to go with Ryan Day, hometown Manchester, New Hampshire boy, so – so <clears throat> I have a very, very dear friend who uh, I went to actually went to elementary school with. Um, so I've known him for, gosh, 30, 30 plus years at this point. And his dad, um, both his parents, I think, went to Ohio State. Um, huge fan. He didn't go there, but still a massive fan. And he listens to the podcast. So, so Robbie, this one's for you. Um, I, I, this I would tell people, <clears throat> wait until about 10 minutes before kickoff. You'll probably be able to get Notre Dame and, and three touchdowns because um, the way this this line is moving. And I think because so much money is coming in on Ohio State. Um, but wait until right before kickoff. Get your 21 points and Notre Dame covers that spread. Okay. So now you're looking for Is that the lowest points? bar ever? <laughs> that is pathetic. Oh, my God. <laughs> So that means they're not going to cover the 17 and a half is what you're saying. Correct. Okay. <laughs> hey, you know what? If, if, if uh, I can wait that long and get that many points okay. and make some money off of watching them get bludgeoned at the horseshoe, then then why not? Scotty, can Maybe you get should... Raymond on the line? See if Maddie can get an update. update of that. Maybe we should do a podcast during the game. Yeah. Oh, boy. Hey, feel, feel, free, to, feel free to text. I mean. Oh, I have. You have. That's correct. Yeah, yeah I It'll all depend on how it's trending. The game's trending. If we're going to text you, <laughs> no, it won't. It, no, it won't. It won't matter at all to you because I'll be sitting there stewing when it's thirty-five to three, and my phone will buzz. Oh, there's there's friend TK checking in. All right, I got to run, but I got to ask him. Have watched the Netflix piece on Mon uh, Manti? I'd say, oh yes, we we finished it a couple of couple of weeks ago or last week. I, I thought it was. Very well done, and I, I'm glad to see that the public perception now is that a lot of people owe that guy an apology for the way they treated him. Agreed. Agreed. All right. Well, thanks, boys. Great visit. We'll we'll get something on the schedule for the end of the month here, post TK and Tri-State, and we can relive all nice. those stories. But uh, do it, Matt. Have thanks a good for joining, boys. Have fun. Have fun up at the TK. We'll miss it this year for sure. Mike, Mike thanks, thanks for joining us. us. Hey, happy to be here. Uh, hopefully, I can play in the TK sometime and actually finish the event. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. Hey, <laughs> <Hail laughs> to the victors and the oh, no. <laughs> da, 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 da. <laughs>